Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And good morning. Welcome into the program. Happy Friday to you. And I'm sure it's going to be a nice start to the weekend for you today. And, yeah, the weather might turn a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, We've got a lot that we can discuss today. Coming up in the next hour, we will be joined by... New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad, and we're going we're gonna to extend her appearance today. And we'll have first joining her will be Councilor at Large Shane Burgo, and we're going to talk about some of the uh, measures that were discussed last night in the City Council meeting. And you can read about what happened at WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Adam Bass was there covering the meeting last night. Uh, but we will we'll break down those proposals. We'll break down these these discussions about rent stabilization. We can talk about the mayor's proposal for putting some of uh, the ARPA funding toward fixing housing and homelessness uh, and some of the other things that were discussed last night as well. And then in the second half of the hour, uh, Council President Morad will be joined by Councilor at Large Brian Gomes. So we can talk about all of these things that, that were part of last night's meeting and uh, and really get in depth with some of that so that we can give you as much information as we can, you know, you're, you're probably waiting for cable access to put the meeting up if you didn't get a chance to be there yourself. And obviously, you know, we have a reporter covering it, but you're not going to get everything in that story. So this way here, we can really break things down uh, before you have to wait for that to, to appear. Again, I just reiterate why they're not live streaming. I don't know. Give me two hours and a 100 bucks and I'll have you up and running. But anyway. And I don't mean a hundred bucks for me. I mean for equipment. I'm not looking to get paid for it. But the um, we we can discuss this, and we'll take your phone calls five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. We'll take your app chat messages on the WBSM app, uh, and and we can discuss some other things as well. One thing that I want to point out: I did uh, put up an article yesterday afternoon at WBSM.com and on the app where. I mentioned I had gone to visit the Buzzards Bay Antique Center. And this is a fascinating story to me because a lot of this area has this, a bit of this forgotten era of history. A time when this was a destination place for people. There were people who would get in the car, start driving to Cape Cod, get to the South Coast and say, eh, good enough. 
it's just a true story. Like people that were trying to go to the Cape would realize, why do we have to go all the way to the Cape? We can get everything that we would expect from Cape Cod right here in New Bedford, Mattapoisett, Marion, Wareham, Westport, Dartmouth, wherever it might have been. And even as you get closer to the Cape, the, the, the Cranberry Highway, as they call it, first of all, it does look a lot different now than it does than it did a few years ago because of all of the um, construction that they've done. And they've uh, rebuilt the roads. They have put in dividers in, in the Cranberry Highway, so you, you can't just turn left wherever you could have before or turn right, depending on what side you're on. But the... Um, no, it would have been left from the middle either way. Anyway, but it's changed so much from I moved into Wareham in 1991. I came from Sandwich. I had been there for a couple of years. Actually, I came from Forestdale. But after growing up in Plymouth, doing my elementary school years in Plymouth, we had moved to first East Sandwich, and we lived there for, I think, a year or so. And then we moved to Forestdale, and I was there for a couple of years. And when I moved to Wareham, I lived at first at the very end of the Cranberry Highway, almost on the Wareham-Buzzards Bay line. There's, um, what's there now? The A.J. Marks Jewelers. I think people might know that. That building, that building didn't even exist then, but that was my front yard. It's now, the, the, the house behind it is now a tattoo parlor. And before that, it had been a physical therapy center. But for many years before that, over 100 years, it had been a private residence. And there was an auto parts shop there that my dad's friend owned. And he said, you can come and live in the house that's on my property. I'm renting out this house if you want to if you want to rent it. So we moved there. And that's the first place that I lived in Wareham. So I was down in the most touristy part of the Cranberry Highway. That's back when Byron's was still there. It hadn't yet been destroyed or fallen into the water or whatever happened to it. It it was still there and still up standing. It was closed down, but it was still standing. And you had all kinds of gift shops still on the Cranberry Highway. And then there were also a bunch of abandoned buildings, too. Former restaurants. The, I think the Wagon Wheel was still there. I think that's what it was called. That was still there, but empty, closed down. Uh, so it was a lot of the remnants of what that area used to be. What it was in the, the early part of the 20th century, probably through you know the 1980s even into the 1990s. There were arcades. The Electric Circus building was still there. It, it was empty for a long time until they put some stores in it. There were all these remnants of, of the touristy past of that area. But you forget that even before that, or at least you know people of my generation, the older folks might remember, but... Before that, there were numerous other buildings, and one of those buildings was the Buzzards Bay Hotel, which is now the Buzzards Bay Antique Center. And when you walk in there now, it's filled with so much stuff that you, you kind of don't think about the building structure itself. You kind of don't think about, you know, what, what might have this room been 
a hundred years ago. You just kind of walk around and you say, oh, here's the room with all the glass bottles. Oh, here's the room with all the kitchen equipment. Oh, here's the room with all the stereo stuff. But you don't think to yourself, like, what was the original layout? Why is this little side room here? Why is this other side area here? So the owner of the building, David Cowan, who owns the Antique Center, and uh, he had an issue a couple of weeks ago where a pipe burst on the second floor. And I never even thought about the fact that there were two other floors to this building from when it was the hotel. Never even thought about that. There are 19 rooms above this antique center. And and Dave says they're all filled with more stuff he can bring downstairs as, as stuff gets sold. So I wouldn't even have thought of that. But it's still kind of the layout of what it would have been 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 years ago. And so his pipe burst, he starts pulling down some of the uh, drop ceiling panels on the first floor to, to take care of some of the damage from the water. And he always knew that it was there, but he didn't realize how much of how much it was intact and, and how good it looked. He found the original tin ceiling. Now, if you have ever been to some of these older buildings, they would have those, those tin ceilings that are kind of like segmented. And they would have the light fixtures that shone the light up onto them to create that kind of soft glow effect. Indirect lighting. And as he started pulling back some of those drop ceiling panels, he said, you know what? I'm, I think I'm going to just try to take them all down and see what happens. See, see if it's in good shape. And when he pulled it all down, it, it's in pretty good shape. Except for some peeling paint. And it's, of course, yellowed in areas where people would sit, under, sit, sit at the bar and smoke. Or sit in the lobby of the hotel and smoke. So, And plus, you know, any white paint can yellow with age anyway. So he's planning on restoring all of that. And as he has been working on this project, he's been researching the history of the building and finding out all kinds of interesting information. Including that there were apparently murders there. Now, somebody I know who is a local historian argued on Facebook that there there weren't murders there. But Dave has a photo of a murdered person in one of the rooms upstairs. And it came from a state police photographer. As I explained in the story, there was a retiring state police detective. His father was a or state, state trooper, I don't know if he was a detective, but a retiring state trooper whose father was the state police photographer. And going through his father's files, he found a, a folder that had the address 61 Main Street of the Antique Center. So he said, well, well, let me go down and see what's down there. Because these photos are obviously there's somebody murdered, there's somebody getting arrested. So let's see what's going on. And he went down there and it's the Buzzards Bay Antique Center and he handed the photos over to David and said, hey, I think these are you know from your place. And yeah, you can tell that the woman's getting pulled outside the Buzzards Bay Hotel by the police and they're inspecting the the body with obvious signs of, of trauma and wounds and all of that. So that's photographic evidence. There might not be a written record of it because a lot of that stuff was swept under the rug, especially if it was happening at a place like that. 
I would guess from the photos, it was the, the 1930s, 1940s era. Later on, it became a rooming house. So who knows what kind of things went on there that never got reported. But it's just fascinating to see this this guy be able to research his property and the history of his property and discover all these new things. And he's got books full books full of photos that he has collected over the years related to it. So check it out. It's a it's a pretty interesting read. And he also thinks that he has some ghosts too. So naturally I, I included that in the story. But check it out and see the photos. There's there's photos of the ceiling. There's photos of some of the crown molding that they discovered. And there's photos of some of its glorious past. And how many of those buildings are still around here going to waste? I mean, look at the Orpheum Theater in New Bedford. That's been pretty much destroyed inside over the years. And it's, I know every time that, you know, the discussion comes around, people are like, well, the city should do something with that like they do with the Zyterian, but the city doesn't own it. And the person who does own it wants a lot of money for it because there was an organization that was trying to restore that theater with designs of turning it into a second theater for the city, not for the city to run per se, but a second theater within the, within the city to have different types of shows. So you would have, you know, and that's how it worked, by the way, back in the day. As much as there's many of those buildings that were movie theaters around the city, and, and, and Barry has written about those, and he's done great research on those and, and shared photos of them, but the movie aspect of them came later. Some of them were built before there even were motion pictures. And it's because you had the the different circuits. And the Orpheum was a circuit. So what would happen is certain acts would play certain theaters. They would sign up with the, the company, the people that owned that circuit of theaters. And they would go around the country and they would play, like, say, all the Orpheums. So just as, you know, the Zyterian has its slate of shows... Another theater would have its own slate of shows, and maybe they, maybe they program it differently. And instead of saying, "Okay, well, the Zyterian brings in, you know, these plays, these musicals, and and this type of musical act," we're going to bring in, you know, these types of musical acts. But there's so many of those places around that are probably just being used as storage facilities or warehouses or some other purpose. So I like to spotlight them where we can. If you know of any like that that you think deserve a spotlight, hit me up, Tim at WBSM.com, or you can send me an app chat message on the WBSM app, which you can do right now if you want to get involved in the discussion, or you can call me 508-996-0500. But I've got to take my first break. We'll be back in a few moments. 20 WB.
Turner's Tales. Just turned 30 the other day. So, way to make you feel old, right? 508-996-0500. You're next on WBSM. Yes, hi. Good morning, Tim. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. The, uh, uh, first of all, I just want to say that I think you do a wonderful job on the, uh, in the morning. Thank you. But um, do, you, do you remember the Cape Cod Independent? Uh, I, I worked there. I graduated from college in, in 76, and I worked there for a summer selling advertising. It was located, it sounded like right in the same area where, where you might have lived. It was um, on, the, uh, on the north side of 6. Uh, next door, it was, it, was a, it was a house. It was um, uh, inside of a little cottage-type house. And next door to us was a fortune teller. Oh, I actually I lived could... right across the street from the fortune teller, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, do you remember the, the Cape Cod Independent? It was, it was a little weekly newspaper. And the, um, the gentleman that ran it, was a, his name was Sumner Town. He and his wife, Elsie. No, but he uh, sounds familiar. I, th I think I might be familiar with him. But I don't know if I necessarily remember the paper. Yeah, he was. I think he was, you know, uh, really involved in, in town politics and, and so forth. But uh, uh, again, like I said, that was back in that was back in '76. I don't think it lasted too much longer after that. It had been around for a little while, but but um, the way you described where you grew up, it sounded it sounded right in the same place. So, so you mean the Palm Reader that was right next to the Lobster Cottage? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yep, yep. So I, yeah, yeah. And so across the street from that, I don't know what it was in the '70s, but uh, when I moved in, it was um, the little building on the corner. There was Dave's Auto Supply, and he had that building was his shop, and then the house was behind it in the back, and then he had like another little storage building there, and that's that's where yeah, I lived yeah. for a couple of years when I first moved to Wareham. Uh, and you're right. Back then, the uh, all of that tourist stuff was still in action. When I was there, it was prior to. Um, the construction of uh, 25. Yeah, uh, so everybody around. was coming down that road. Exactly, yes, yes, yes. And that's that's, yeah, in the, I, I, that's in the days when, you know, all of those gift shops would line the street because people would actually be able to stop in and go into them. Now some of them that are still open, you wonder, does, does anybody ever even come in here anymore? Yeah, I, I agree. Well, again, I just wanted to share that with you. I, I appreciate your, uh, your show and... Uh, I'm also a big Warren Zevon fan, so I, I appreciate your references to sandwiches. <laughs> All right, absolutely. All right, thanks for the call. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye. 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in. And, yeah, that area is, like I said, it's even different than it was when I moved in there. Uh, but yet still standing is the Sand and Surf gift shop. It's still there. It's still, as far as I know, it's still open. And I, that's one of the first places I went into when I moved into the area. Like, I would just get on my bike and ride up and down the Cranberry Highway, and I was like, let me check this place out. And I, and I walked in, and there was all kinds of stuff all over the place. Like, they had everything you could imagine of, of a souvenir you'd want to take home from Cape Cod, but they also had, you know, all these different craft items and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think, you know, maybe I'll do a story on that sometime because it's it's worth writing up how this business has remained viable all these years later when every other business like it isn't around anymore. What else was there when I, when I moved in the, the palm reader was across the street. I remember that. And then 
there was well, the gas station that was next door to my house is still was that's still there. There was a convenience store. I think the convenience store is still there. The garden center. There was an aerial, uh, a place that sold aerial photography, but that's that's now a coffee shop. Of course, we had Lindsay's. The farm stand that's over there. I can't remember the name of the farm stand. I, I applied. That's the first place I ever applied for a job. And the guy looked at me and said, I'm not hiring you with that long hair. <laughs> and I looked at him. I said, well, I'm not cutting my hair. So I guess uh, I guess I can't work here. But yeah, that was it was a fun place to live back in those days too because there was a lot of stuff around. And I could hop on my bike and go to a lot of things. Like the Buzzers Bay Theater when that was open. I could just hop on my bicycle and 5 minutes later I was at the Buzzers Bay Theater. And what I would do quite often is whenever I had a few dollars I would Hop on my bike, go down and either see a movie or go into Bob's Cards and Comics and get myself some of my favorite comic books. Now, I don't know. I don't think there's a lot that a kid could do in that area anymore. There's, there's a couple of places where adults could go and have a few drinks and walk home. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. If uh, if you want to share any of those kind of forgotten memories. But uh, as I said, coming up in the next hour, we're going to be joined by City Council President Linda Morad, and we're going to talk with her and Councilor-at-Large Shane Burgo at the beginning of the hour. And then in the second half of the hour, it will be her and Councilor-at-Large Brian Gomes. We're going to talk about a lot of the stuff that came out of the meeting last night, including some interesting non-binding ballot questions they wanted to put on the November ballot. We talked about the rent stabilization one, but also... Looking to change the mayoral term back from four years to two years. And and something that I'm definitely going to need a little explanation on from, from Council President Morad. Repealing the, the Community Preservation Act. So we'll get into all of that with them. Uh, until then, it's all about you. 508-996-0500. You are next on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Um, so what you're talking about on this Buzzards Bay antique shop, is that across from that railroad um, bridge? Mm -hmm. Yep, right next to what used to be the port of call Now it's uh, it's called Murphy's or something now. But, yep, right in that building there, the the um, all the glass windows in the front. Oh, I love it over there. I, I go to Mezzaluna, and I like, there's a there's a, a girl that she's um, Brazilian. She does on the corner there. She does um, nails and um, massages and all that kind of stuff, and she's very good. I had my feet done there. I used to love to go, uh, you know, they had, for a while, they had the Buzzards Bay Brewing Tap Room. So I would just go down on a Saturday afternoon, wander around the antique stuff. And there was a couple of different <laughs> antique places. And then stop and have a beer and, you know, maybe grab uh, some food down there. And it was it was a nice little place. You could park the car and walk to everything that you wanted to go see. I know, but it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like losing, um, like, business in that area, don't yeah. you think? Yeah, there's not as much stuff down there as there was. I mean, and, and you know, if I, if 
if you look at what was there even five years ago, there were multiple antique shops. There was an art gallery. There was all kinds of stuff, and and and, and the Buzzard Bay Tap Room and all that, and all that stuff is closed. Now they're down to just I think that one antique store, and it's it, it, you know it's still it's still worth going down there, but it's not it's not the same day that it might have been just a couple of years ago. Well, I used to bring my son when he was young to that Ryan's amusement all the time. Oh yeah, duck pin yeah, bowling. And, yeah, yeah, and then um, what's the other thing? I like that the, the clams at that place, but they changed owners. Eastwind Lobster Company. Oh yeah, yeah. I would get. That's where I would go to get my fried smelts. And there was a, a an older man. He must be gone by now. That had an antique shop right near there. You know that one right on that side near Eastwind on that side. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it had all like the nautical stuff outside. Right. Yeah. I, uh, gee, I don't know if that's still there. I didn't. I didn't pay attention the other day when I went. He was. He was quite old. Maybe he passed on. But um, that was nice in there. I used to like to browse and go down there. I love the Cape. For a while, the Buzzers Bay Antique Center, for a while, I mean, it's had different owners. Um, and, and for a while, the owner was Bill Sullivan of Sullivan's Auctioneers, the guy that used to have the place in Dartmouth and used to do the commercials where he had the cowboy hat. Hi, this is Bill Sullivan of Sullivan's Auctioneers. That he, I walked in one day and I was like, wow, you're Bill Sullivan, the guy from TV. Listen, <laughs> yeah, did, did, he, did he have something up in a cushion at I don't know. I just I know about the one in Dartmouth. I don't know if there was. I know he had multiple locations. I just don't remember what the other locations were. Oh, I got a couple of nice things out of that one. One is a plate that says New Bedford on it. Oh, and that's nice. Uh, yeah, it's a little small gold one. It has a whale. It would even be cute inside City Hall. And you know, in City Hall, they have that glass, and they have a lot of different kind of um, things in it when mm -hmm. you go to City Hall in New Bedford. Yep. And I got a doorstop that has an Indian. It's it's brass and it has an Indian on it. When, I, and I, that was that was in a cushion. It when I was a kid, uh, you know. Well, I shouldn't say I was probably like uh, like sixteen, seventeen years old. I wanted a, a VCR for the TV in my bedroom, and I was going to go out and buy one. And my dad was like, "Oh, hang on, your mother and I go to this auction every week, and sometimes stuff like that shows up." And so they took me to the auction, and the auction was like. Some stuff that people had gotten together, also some meat, like a you know, like a meat raffle, like a meat auction type thing, and also some livestock. So it was like really across the board what they were auctioning off. And sure enough, they had a, a, a VCR that went up for auction, and I walked away with it for twenty bucks, as opposed to you know going out and paying two hundred bucks for one. Where was that one? That I, auction? I couldn't even tell you. And then for years. Yeah, there was a guy that ran them in, in West Wareham out of a church, and I used to go to those all the time because he always had great stuff. Yeah, that was in the cushion. That he did that, too, in that building, too. I would, uh, yeah, he probably went around and did it at, at different one. He probably did a different one each weekend. Um, I wanted to ask you who owns the who owns the Orpheum and what's in there because it's so scary looking to me. I've never been in there. So, from my understanding, the peop the person that owns the market on the other side, he owns the entire building, and originally he was going to allow the the um, the Orpheum Rising organization to come in and restore the theater and put stuff on, and then things didn't work out. So now I think the building is it was for sale. I don't know if it still is for sale, but somebody could have purchased the building and had the business in the front and had the entire you know, theater part as well, but it's all been gutted inside. So there's no more, no more of any of the fixtures that was there from when it was a theater.
So it's just a big empty um, dock building? Pretty much, yeah. Mm. And I got to tell you, I'm going to go to that medium show. Are you going to it? Uh, I will not be. No, I've I've got uh, things I got to do at night next week. But you're going to go see Matt Frazier at the Zyterian? Yeah, but he doesn't always come up to you, right? He picks whoever he wants to go up to. Is that what he does? Yeah, so he'll he'll see like where he's getting the strongest connection from, and he'll kind of gravitate toward that area. But he's going to be all out walking all through the audience, so there's a good chance he might just come up to you as well. It's my first time ever going to one of those. I think you'll have a good time. Bring bring a bring a box of tissues from you'll you'll cry a lot from both uh, you know emotion and from laughing. So okay, all right, and, let, and make sure you <laughs> call back and let, let me know how it goes when you go. Okay, thank you. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. 508-996-0500. If you want to call in and chime in, I am going to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. The boys get them. Hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. And thanks to Dave, who uh, messaged in and said, Bill Sullivan held auctions at the Akushnik Range also. So, yep, it's the same guy that was doing those those auctions. And that's it's kind of a lost art as well, being an auctioneer. First of all, it's not nearly as easy as everybody thinks that it is to to run an auction. I've, I've had to play that role before, um, you know, not as a legitimate auctioneer because I, I believe they have to be licensed to do what they do. But as somebody who has just kind of like hosted an auction and it's, it it's, there's a lot of pressure there when you see those bids coming in fast and furious and not everybody wants to obviously bid. So somebody scratches their nose and I'm like, wait, did, did you just bid? Did you, is that, did you say 500? No. Uh, uh, uh. So it, I, I have a lot of respect for somebody like Bill Sullivan who did it a long time. Uh, and I know, I think he had the shop. I don't know if anybody had it after him before the woman who owned the whatchamacallit shop took it over. And I don't, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name. But she used to have a little smaller shop down Buzzards Bay called the whatchamacallit shop where she had a lot of, you know, antiques and different stuff and all kinds of things. And then she ended up moving over into the big store and taking that over. And, uh, and now it's Dave Cowan. Uh, wait. His name's Dave Cowan. It's almost Dave Cowan's. I just it just dawned on me. Um, but anyway, he uh, he goes out and he does cleanouts and collects stuff and then brings it there. And like me, he is really into audio equipment, so I like going over there and checking out what he has. If you remember, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how I was looking for a Predicta TV, one of those old 1950s TVs that had kind of like the 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 flat type screen on a swivel. And then it had like a little bass part to it. Well, he has one over there. He has a, a Predicta TV 
with the base. I mean, it's in beautiful condition. He says that it works, that the tubes still work. You can fire it up, but it's going to be out of my price range. He said he's looking at around $1,000 for it. So I was thinking like I would find one for 50 bucks, 75 bucks, maybe 100 bucks. $1,000 is a little bit more than I would pay for something that would just be a conversation piece in my home, which I don't know why I would want a conversation piece in my home. I never let anybody in my house. But either way, uh, <laughs> you can check out the story at WBSM.com and on the app. And at the bottom of the story, I have a photo gallery. And in that photo gallery, it talks about how uh, it, it shows some of the photos. And one of them is of that TV. So, again, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking with City Council President Linda Morad. And uh, she'll have Councilor at Large Shane Burgo at the beginning. We're going to be talking about some of these housing issues and, and the proposals that are going that way. Then in the second half of the hour, she'll be joined by Councilor at Large Brian Gomes. And, and some of the things that I want to discuss were these um, I, uh, ballot initiatives, you know, put, putting these questions on the ballot for things such as the whether or not to repeal the, the four-year term for New Bedford mayor. To move that back to a two-year term. And then another vote that was suggested would be repealing the Community Preservation Act funds that taxpayers pay, which I believe is it's... It's 1% of what your tax bill is. The state matches it. That fund all goes into the Community Preservation Act funds. The city council then decides how to dole out those funds, which they've just announced some, some projects getting funding recently. And that does a lot of good, including one of the categories for that is affordable housing. So I just want to find out what all this is. I'm sure it's, it's, there's more to it than just as, as simplistic as it sounds. So we'll talk with council president Morad about that as well. Uh, and of course, when, and then the 11 o'clock hour, we can get your reaction to all of it because there'll be a lot to unpack. There's going to be a lot going on in the coming weeks, and I'm glad that we have this opportunity every Friday to kind of dive a little bit deeper into it. Speaking of diving into things, I just got the specials for the weekend at Just Another Phoenix Restaurant, and you're going to want to dive into some of these. I guess I'm getting up early tomorrow and getting myself some breakfast. I know I say... All the time, like you can go and get breakfast throughout the whole morning, but you got to understand sometimes on Saturdays, uh, there's no way I'm leaving the house before 2 p.m. But I'm going to get up for some of these. In fact, I, I don't I don't know how to make up my mind. I might just have to go Saturday and Sunday. Here is the specials that you can check out at Just Another Phoenix. A roasted veggie omelet featuring summer squash, zucchini, eggplant, broccoli, onions, and peppers. For $13.95, pistachio pancakes, those are going to be high on my list, $9.95. A chili and cheddar omelet, $12.95. Fresh berry French toast featuring blackberry, raspberry, and strawberry. I love berries. $10.95. Two eggs with steak tips, $15.95. But this, this one might, I might have to just go with this one. Elvis Texas French toast. 
bacon, banana, and peanut butter, French toast, for ten ninety five. The king approves. He would definitely approve of that. So you can check all that out at Just Another Phoenix. It's on Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. And, uh, again, as I always tell you, you don't have to carve out a whole bunch of time to go out for breakfast if you don't have that in your in your day or in your weekend. You can go and pick up their entire menu through their drive through window and not even get out of the car, go home, and have a delicious Just Another Phoenix restaurant breakfast at home. But you also can hang out there and spend time there and feel like you were part of the family. They're located on Fawns Corner Road in Dartmouth. Easy to get to. It's uh, You go past what used to be the, the VF outlet there, and then it's on your left-hand side just before the sheriff's office, So, or maybe just after, I forget. But it's right down there. You've probably gone down there for medical appointments, all kinds of stuff. And just another Phoenix is right there off Fawns Corner Road. You can pull right in, go around to the drive-thru, pick up your order, and uh, and and be back home before you know it. But I like hanging out there and sitting behind the, the sitting at the counter and watching the cook make my breakfast and all that. So head on over there again. Just another Phoenix, Fonz Corner Road in Dartmouth. Let's take a quick phone call before our final break. Good morning. You are next on WBSM. And a lot of amendments, huh? Yeah, a lot of stuff going on last night. A lot of stuff. Uh, seems like uh, seems like they're desperate for attention for the next election. They can't come up with original ideas, so. Let's uh, pander to the voters. And, uh, you know, once again, the city council was a circus. Uh, Linda Morad's uh, removed seating, so now there's less seating. And apparently there's, you can't stand in certain parts of the, uh, according to her, you can't stand. If you're certain people, you can't stand. She almost had someone arrested last night. I mean, I don't want to get into that, but it just seems like uh, it seems like they're desperate. Um, you know, they they either arguing with the mayor or they or, or they're just pandering. I mean, it's so apparent. Like, there's no substance. If you were to speak with, make sure you ask Brian Gomes pointed questions, questions that he would have to have some knowledge to answer. Please, please don't be nice. You know. You know, I, mean, I understand I'm, you guys. Are yeah, kind. I'm going to run the show the way I want to run the show. I know, but come you, on, you, don't you, let him off you, the hook. You, you consider yourself a journalist. You have time to ask him questions and interview him yourself. No, he won't. He won't interview with me, guy. You kidding me? I'll ask him. I'll ask him tough questions. Well, are you saying that I don't? No, I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I would like you to ask tough questions. All right. Well, I got to hold you there anyway because I got to take my final break. <laughs> Have a good one. All right. Laugh at me all you want, but uh, we actually have advertisers for our operation. All right. We got to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. Back on the other side, we'll be joined by New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad in the first half 
of the hour. We'll be joined by her and Counselor at Large Shane Burgo, and we'll talk about some of these housing initiatives being proposed. And then also in the second half of the hour, it'll be her and Counselor at Large Brian Gomes. I did get an app chat message very quickly from Mr. M in New Bedford. He says, Tim, let's talk about food for a minute. I got crucified by my wife and children for buying Spam and deviled ham. They have no idea how good it is, and they refuse to try it. Spam is very good. Um, deviled ham is good, too. I like them both, but they're a little salty for me, so I can't have them all that often because I just I don't like salt. But Underwood. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.